0: to the game! Time to play the game!
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the 28th episode of the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Thompson. Here with me is Michael Majors. I'm a Gold Level Pro. Michael Majors is Platinum. And today, we're talking about some Amon-ket? How do you oh, pronounce
0: it? I think it's Amon. Now you got me being all self-conscious, I don't know. Yeah,
1: see? I'm going to say cat. I think it's Almond cat. That sounds better. Let's do that. Okay, so not a lot of cards have been spoiled quite yet, but I think next week is official preview season stuff, so that's pretty exciting. We actually have a preview card for the podcast, but not today. Not today. It is going to come out on April 12th, but I thought I'd give people a heads up now.
0: Yeah, pretty excited about it. It's going to be sweet.
1: Yeah, I agree. We're we're big time now, Majors. We did it. We finally did. We can just retire now. It's great.
0: Yeah, I need a rest. Let's let's we're done.
1: <laughs> we worked so hard to get to this point. <laughs> we deserve a nap.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, not not a lot of cards have been uh, spoiled so far. I guess a lot of them probably by the time you're listening to this, I assume all the masterpieces will have been spoiled, but there's there's been a huge surge of them on Twitter at least, but uh they
1: you know. they just keep coming.
0: Yeah, but as far as the actual cards, not a lot has been spoiled, but we have gotten a pretty good taste of all the mechanics, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, uh, getting to see the mechanics and think about them, and uh, I don't know about you, but I'm, like, thinking about different ways in which they could, like, use these mechanics, you know? Which I'm sure we'll get into, but there are some pretty sweet cards that have been spoiled, so I don't know, looks all right.
0: Yeah, an old favorite, cycling, and kind of uh, some some new takes on things we're familiar with.
1: Yeah, so th- talk to me about cycling. Why do you like cycling?
0: First of all, cycling is sweet because being able to have additional options with your cards is always a nice feeling. It makes you feel like you're more in control of the way the games play out. As far as cycling in particular, it kind of lets you like play to the strength of your curve or whatever. So if you have like this... For for instance, the the card that has been spoiled, uh, the Archfiend, is a five mana creature. So, you know, if you're mana screwed or you're missing land drops, then you can cycle away this, this powerful creature and try to just, you know, play functional magic. And something we've seen in the past with cycling, and I, I guess we're we're not really sure if these types of cards are gonna exist in Amoncet are kind of very situational cards that just have cycling attached. So if they're if they're good in the situation you can cast them, obviously, and if they're not, then you can just get rid of them and draw a new card.
1: Yeah, so Archfiend of Ifnir is the card that you mentioned. It's 3 BB, 5-4 flying. Whenever you cycle or discard another card, put a minus one, minus one creature on each creature your opponent's control, and a cycling two. So, pretty classic cycling. The thing that initially kind of bugged me when I read this was whenever you cycle or discard another card, and it's like, the reminder text on cycling is just discard this card, draw a card. So, like, you really don't need that unless cycling is somehow going to end up be something different or whatever, but I think it is just there as, like, for clarity's sake, I suppose. But yeah, like, this is obviously a card, especially in, like, Limited, where you're never really going to want to cycle it, but the option is there. It is just strictly better than not having the option, and it also means that they're just good in multiples, too.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I would be really surprised, actually, if we saw anything but cycling, too. I, I don't really have any, like... Real reason for that claim, but that's just my gut.
1: It might be something like they start with Cycling 2, and then they kind of branch out in the second set. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's a a pretty common thing.
0: For instance, like, the, the Onslaught cycle lands, like, cycling for their respective colored mana was, like, pretty powerful, so I wouldn't expect that.
1: Yeah, I mean, cycling for one mana, I mean, like, there is an entire modern deck based on cycling things for, like, one and zero mana, and then bringing them all back or whatever, so... Cycling 2 is certainly way worse, but, like, yeah, the Cycling 1 stuff is just all kind of absurd.
0: It's a significant cost, but it's it's a manageable one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially when you're talking about Games limited, and I imagine that there are going to be, like, various graveyard synergies and stuff, too. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if you're able to cycle this thing and just reanimate it somehow.
0: Yeah, uh, even the uh, other mechanic that we've seen, uh, Embalm, you know, interacts with the graveyard, so maybe there'll be, like, an Embalm card with Cycling attached or something along those lines.
1: Yeah, see, that, that's one of those things where it's like, I'm pretty sure that this is a thing that's going to happen, right? Because it's so cute, it works so well together.
0: Yeah, exactly. Or, or maybe there's, like, some cool artifact that gives your card cycling or something like that. That'd be really good with Fluctuator. Oh, is that the your cycling cost two less or something? Yeah. Yeah, but that's, like, not even modern legal, so if they really want to do that, it'd be fine.
1: Yeah, I think so, too, but still. This Archfiend, this thing is obviously just nuts and limited right and it makes me think that you know whenever you cycle or discard a card clearly cycling is going to be like a fairly prevalent mechanic that i imagine just goes on everything in every color or whatever you know like there's going to be plenty of cards with cycling but like or discard another card are are, are there going to be like more madness outlets are we going to have like a callback to that that'd be kind of cool
0: yeah maybe that's just kind of like one of their intentions is they can backdoor some synergies like you know lightning axe kind of turns this on to some extent and and embalm is all i I guess we should go ahead and say what a bomb is out loud since i've already referenced it twice already
1: so far there's one card with embalm and it's exile this from your graveyard it's on a creature exile this from your graveyard put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of this except it's a zombie in addition to its other types so basically flashback for creatures
0: yep the one we've seen so far is literally Flashing it back, you exile additional cost. You get this cool token out of a booster pack that Jerry doesn't like, but I think is pretty sweet, and uh, there's your clean solution.
1: Is this Archfiend Constructed playable? Because it's close. I think that we live in a world that is a little hostile towards five mana sorcery speed things.
0: I don't know. I also think it's close. I think with a, a card that is clearly like synergy-based to some degree, I mean, first of all, the printed stats are fine. Like, a 5-mana five 5-4 five, flyer is not, like, a, a above rate, but it is close to rate. It, it doesn't, like, line up well against, A, one of the, the preview cards we'll talk about in a moment, second, Archangel Avison or even, like, necessarily Heart of Kieran, Although, those situations are pretty easy to get around, because, like, once you're actually getting this thing into combat against a 4-power flyer, you can probably just, you know, cycle something and, and make that flyer smaller, and it'll, it'll win and, and trade.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine this is getting paired with, like, Key to the City a decent amount.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a nice one. Uh, Like, like I was referencing, Lightning Axe is the first thing that comes to my mind, but Key to the City is definitely a nice one. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, again, because you have, like, this, this synergy-based card, sure, the stats aren't, like, amazing at first glance, but I think that the fact that you kind of have some versatility with the way the games play out and you can just cycle it if it's, If you don't think it's going to be good or like your opponent's just like sitting on a bunch of unlicensed integrations or whatever. I I think it's very, very close.
1: A lot of the matchups in standard and even when you put this in your deck, you are certainly running the risk of just like tapping out on turn four, turn five, whatever kind of deck you're playing and just dying to the C-Healy combo, right? So your five mana sorcery has to be very impactful. And I think maybe Verderous Gearhawk is really the only one that's seen a lot of play. And even then that's like really died down a lot. Uh, but a lot of the matchups are just about getting on the board and controlling the board and and making sure you're ahead and you stay that way, and I think this does a pretty good job of that, so it's like, man, I really like the ability, but I'm not super in love with the 5 mana or just the stats in general.
0: I mean, that being said, like, your reference to the Saheli combo, if you ever untap with this or you play it on, say, 7 with another Cycler up, then you're insulated from the Saheli combo.
1: That is true. So if you have, well, I guess, yeah, if you just have a key with this, right oh yeah
0: sure yeah if you just play it on five with key then you're safe
1: okay that's not bad i mean that's certainly better than like trying to hide behind a 1-1 a walking ballista you know yeah definitely
0: i mean this is this is very inconvenient to remove like sure harness lightning can do it but like eh. i mean what har what can't harness lightning do
1: right yeah it is basically terminate okay okay so key to the city we did it we figured it out
0: book it done
1: all right anything else about this thing this, is, this is damon Nah,
0: I mean, even though we aren't really aware of what kind of cycling cards are going to be in the set, I agree with you that presumably it's going to be a big part of Amonkhet, so I think there's, this card is going to be supported. I like it.
1: Cool. I'm not going to, like, pre-order this or anything, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, that's that, that's reasonable. I, I don't think it's... First of all, cycling is just not a flashy mechanic. It, it just no, doesn't. it's
1: not. It is so good, though. It's it, I mean, so you wanted, you wanted to talk about, like, Temple Standard, right, and kind of tie those in? And I think this is a good time to do that where it's like scry one is also not very sexy, you know, but man, the games are so much different when you have access to like a bunch of scry lands or a bunch of your card cycle or what have you.
0: Yeah, just any games where you're, you know, not getting mana screwed or flooding out and you normally would is, is just a huge boon. And right, it, it doesn't look particularly powerful on the surface, but like the way that it can just change the way the games play out is is something that you can't really understate.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed playing 15 lands when Aether Revolt came out in in my limited decks, you know. And cycling isn't like, you know, you play 14 lands or whatever. It's like, you get to cut all land, and that certainly feels good. And like you said earlier, like, your decisions matter, you know. And you, a lot of your cards basically have, like, split card functionality. You have a lot more choices in any given game, and a lot of it matters. So, I think that's really good. I think that cycling or scrying or whatever all lead to fewer games that are not games. You know, like someone's getting mana screwed or they're flooding out or whatever, and I think that's great.
0: I can only hope that, like, the traumatic vision cycle gets reprinted it's so good.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely play those in standard. Yeah, all like
0: about some fiery fall and traumatic visions. And what does the white one do, actually? For, oh, it, like, pumps your team, right?
1: Yeah, plus one, plus two and untap, I think.
0: Yeah, that sounds right.
1: A lot of those would be good with Torrential gearhawk too.
0: Oh, yeah. Wow, maybe too good
1: actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. T- suddenly, you get torrential gear hulk into fiery fall whenever you want. You know.
0: Yeah. Mm. Damn. All right. I don't know about that, but one can dream.
1: Sure. Save it. Save it for cube man.
0: Yeah. Well, basic land cycling can be templated in lots of different ways. So.
1: All right. Let's let's talk about this embalm card. True heart Duelist, One dub. Two two. Can block an additional creature each combat, embalm two dub. Grizzly Bear basically flashes back for three. This is, like, very simple, low-powered Call of the Herd, you know? Worth noting, this is a human, which I think is great, and if that tribe is supported, it's possible that that could
0: make a little comeback, too. Yeah, and also in the back end, uh, presumably they're all zombies. I think that's actually part of the mechanic, so...
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe that's a thing. I don't know. The zombie yeah. decks are so close, but...
0: Right. I, I do think it's interesting that, like, uh, so so this card's ability is it can block an additional creature each combat, which kind of, like, incentivizes you to get it into combat and trade it off, which obviously makes sense because it has this, like, you know, pseudo flashback. So I wonder if that's how the cards are going to be kind of pushed.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that is certainly one direction that you could go, right? But it's like, this this could also just be, like, a self-sacrifice thing. I don't know if that makes sense flavorfully or whatever, but it's like, yeah, they can do a lot of different things with this for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I just wonder the the kinds of additional abilities these cards will have on them.
1: So what about, like, you know, 4-mana four 4-4 four, four with Embalm? Like, maybe it Embalms for 5 or whatever. Like, is that good enough? Like, it, it seems like we don't live in really a grindy enough format for this mechanic to actually be great unless the creature itself is good. The thing that kind of attracts me to this, like, it, does, it's not a great card, I don't think, but it is a human, and I think a human boss, human-style deck would appreciate this sort of ability for combating Mana Flood and whatnot.
0: Yeah, I think it's another one of those things where if you can kind of kind of cheat the card economy where you can utilize discarding it or maybe cycling it or something along those lines, then maybe they're exploitable. But yeah, it's, it's just really difficult to tell. Like, obviously, it's it's you can't just, like, push all the stats, especially if, like, the majority of them are, you know, CMC and then their bomb is CMC plus one. Because then if they just die and you just get to flash them back, then they're too oppressive. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll just be like solid role players on curve where they give you something else to do while you're flooding. They're kind of just like, you know, the pseudo-Thraben Inspectors of this set.
1: Yeah, and definitely I I welcome any and all Thraben Inspectors.
0: Yeah, so uh, we'll see. There's a lot of potential here. Uh, And maybe, you know, there's kind of a cheap and average power level card that can see modern play because if you can just like thought scour over these things that's sick
1: all right let's get a, a death shadow within balm let's make that happen
0: yeah it's not gonna happen
1: good read yep,
0: thank you that's that's why people tune in so i can hit them with that solid analysis right there
1: all right well give me some solid analysis on glory bringer 3rr 4-4 dragon flying haste you may exert this as it attacks when you do, it deals four damage to target non-dragon creature and opponent controls. Exert is basically, you put a little counter on it, and it doesn't untap next turn. And I'm
0: not, I am not—I don't know if I'm, like, the resident dragon expert, but, I mean, th- this card is very good, I think, but maybe people kind of underestimate its place in the standard format as it stands right now, at least. Like, Avison sits on top of this card, for sure, but this card is also very good at, like, pressuring Planeswalkers, especially Gideon. Uh, notably, its exertability doesn't line up well against Heart of Kieran, straight up, so... I'm not sure. I-I-I like this card, but I'm-I don't know if it's gonna make too relevant an event impact.
1: God, this is just one of those cards where, like, in a different world, this thing would be the actual nuts, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. Or if it's, like, stat line was just a little bit different.
1: Yeah, but just slamming headfirst into Avison is definitely not great. It's a clean kill on Gideon, but not if you're on the draw. I like that... You know if you want to you can kill something and then maybe this just kind of sits there looking awkward for a little bit and then it seems like there are some tricks in the set that's just like untap your creatures or whatever so maybe there's something like that that ends up actually being constructed playable but this card is is definitely very powerful but i am again a little concerned with the way that standard is where it's like ah, oh, is this gonna make it i don't know
0: yeah general impression is that exert seems cool because it actually makes like real tension and limited as far as like racing your opponent or whatever so mm-hmm. i like that
1: yeah just more decisions to be made
0: yeah but as far as like what this card is doing specifically for impacting standard it's really difficult to say wouldn't surprise me if like marty vehicles evolved to become just more aggressive and evasive like this is a part of a really good cyborg plan for example
1: yeah i was definitely thinking about that too where it's like this this is the perfect card you know like You would see, like, the Monastery's beer decks board into Stormbreath Dragon and stuff, and, like, this is the exact card that they would want to take that slot.
0: Yeah. I I like that this card specifically punishes developing your your battlefield with Feldart Guardian. Like, that's cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it keeps you safe for another turn.
0: Yeah. If you just, like, you know, jam Guardian on your Oath of Nyssa to be mana efficient, you can just get completely, you know, wrecked by this card.
1: Another thing with cards like this, and I guess the Archfiend, too, to some degree, is just, like you know, people see these cards and it's like, yeah, it's powerful, like, the stat line and the ability, like, those are all fine. In a different world, this would definitely make it into Constructed, but, like, you know, how how much do you worry about, like, what kind of deck does this actually go in? Because right now, there's, you know, no real get to five mana and start dropping dragons or whatever. Like, there's no deck that's like that. It's like green black is kind of similar with like verdurous gear hulk and stuff but like where where does this thing fit right now because there's not really a mid-range red deck
0: yeah i mean that's for for sure a huge concern it's it's very easy to get excited about a just anything new in general is is fun to think about and people you know clearly want the new cars to be good because that's what magic makes magic fun but once you start to kind of look at it a little bit more critically then yeah it's it's difficult it's like Am I interested in this dragon just because it's new and exciting, and I want it to be good, or is it actually good?
1: That's that's our job, I guess. We we must find out. I don't know. I, f- I feel like a card like this, it's probably supposed to be good. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting. You know, it certainly What's, looks it's not appealing. Really appealing.
0: It isn't mythic. Can, can it really be that good?
1: It's certainly fair. I think it's supposed to go somewhere, and obviously, like there's a whole big set yet to be spoiled, right? So it's like there are going to be other cards. Who knows? Maybe we'll find something.
0: Yeah, I mean, Glory, is it Glory Bringer? Glory Bringer, yeah. Yeah, Glory Bringer and the Archfiend kind of strike me as the perfect, like, get your feet wet spoiler cards. It's like, here's some cards that show off some of the new mechanics. They're, like, clearly powerful and interesting, but we're not just, like, hammering you with, like, the best cards in Omiket yet.
1: Right. It is good to show off the mechanics instead of just, like, here is a two mana, four, four creature with no abilities or whatever. It's like, okay, that's good on rate, but I'm not really excited about the set, you know?
0: Well, they kind of showed those cards off on accident. (laughs) we got we got a new a new horn turtle in town
1: ancient crab
0: no the uh the black one the dune fiend or whatever
1: oh yeah the two mana one four
0: yeah that's yeah uh, power creep man big big upgrade on the turtle hell yeah and as much as i joke like i will definitely be playing that card in limited all the time
1: yeah obviously
0: it's awesome. i mean
1: i i generally like attacking a little bit more these days but man there are definitely a lot of decks that i've played in the past where it's like two mana one four jesus i would i would take that over anything
0: I mean, I'm down to block now that cycling exists.
1: That is fair. It does kind of change the way the games play.
0: Yeah, all all jokes aside, I I do think these cards are cool and interesting and could potentially impact standard, especially as, you know, red and black cards and Mardu being the, you know, one of the two premier decks. I don't see how I slot these cards into those decks.
1: I do like the idea of Glorybringer as a sideboard plan. Archfiend strikes me as a deck that is, like, it's either going to be some sort of madness deck, right? Or you're gonna try and ramp into this thing with servant of the conduit but like if you have if you're black green and you want a five drop is it ever gonna be better than gearhog
0: right yeah i mean that that's that's definitely a, a valid point and and that's kind of like the, one of the issues with the Gearhulks, even though they didn't see play for a sizable amount of standard it's like is a five drop or a six drop really ever going to be better than this in their respective colors
1: yep they just invalidate a lot of stuff
0: and i mean like you know something has to be the best that's just kind of how it works but you, you you typically yeah. want the best thing to be, like, a little less in-your-face powerful.
1: I think it's just better to not have something be the best just on power, because then it does actually invalidate things. It's better to be the best, but in a different way. Like, maybe it's the best 5-drop for this certain deck, right? But you don't want it to be the best 5-drop in every deck. You know, you don't want, like, the Smuggler's Copter problem or whatever. Oh, That's of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, Magic being fun is, is predicated on, like, you know, Picking the right threats and the right removal that you want to play to support your strategy.
1: Yeah, but instead, Vertitor's gear Gearhulk It's just like, are you ever going to make a a better green 5-drop than this? No, it's like the green decks are just going to be built around this card for however long it's legal. You know, if you're a creature deck and you're playing green, you're going to play this
0: card. Definitely agree with that.
1: Then you print Winding Constrictor to you, get out of here. Come on.
0: Well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so we got another weird card... To be fair, this one is not confirmed, but it looks kinda legit, right? This this weirdo split card.
0: Dusk and dawn, I believe it's called.
1: Yeah, so I think this is real, but technically unconfirmed, but it's one I don't even know how to describe this if you haven't seen this. Like one one of the halves is like a normal card, and the other one is printed like on the bottom like a split card would be. So that presumably when you have this in your hand. You're, you're reading the front end of the card, and then the back end has flashback, and then you can, like, turn it in your graveyard or something to make sure that you know. But anyway, the front end is 2-dub-dub, sorcery, destroy all creatures with power greater or equal to 3, and dawn, the back side. it has aftermath, which is cast the spell only from your graveyard, then exile it. So it's basically flashback, but... Well, I guess it's, yeah, it's flashback, but a different flashback. And uh, it has... Re- Return all creature cards with power less than or equal to two from your graveyard to your hand. So, super weird card in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, I actually don't mind. Like, the a- aesthetic decision to print the card in this way makes sense to me. It's just so cramped. Like, I get it. I-, I just think that it's awkward.
1: I think it is also very awkward, but... I don't know. This is one of those things where it's like, did did you really have to do this? I get you, you have embalm for flashback creatures... This is effectively flashback, but, like, different modes, which is kind of cool. And then if you really want to go down that route, like, I'm not sure what the best way to do that is. And this is certainly serviceable. Yeah, so I, don't I, I don't know. I
0: like the idea, sure. I, I'd rather them, like, do something new and interesting like this and maybe get it a little wrong than, you know, just put flashback in the set, for example. So um,
1: what, is, what is this card? Is this, in order to aftermath... You need reasonable amount of creatures with power less than or equal to two, right? I guess you could play this in, like, your straight-up control deck or whatever, but I, I feel like this is kind of like a sideboard card for humans or something along those lines. I don't know.
0: Well, it could always just be, like, for, for example, you could build, like, a synergy deck that is just interested in casting Dawn, the Aftermath card, and then, like, if the Dusk mode comes up in gameplay, then you're just happy that it comes up.
1: Right, but to cast Dawn, you need to get it in your graveyard, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, so it's, like, built around some kind of synergy deck where you're, you know, discarding or self-milling or something like that. This this set's, like, a pretty cool precedent for how the, the cycle should play out. It should be, like, theoretically, two things that are kind of inherently synergistic with each other. They're just, like, in different templates. It's like, you know, yeah. obviously you want to play small creatures so that you can destroy their creatures, keep your creatures alive, and then you can just, like, gas back up with this later, so... I think it's an interesting dynamic...
1: It is kind of weird, right, where both halves synergize with you having Grizzly Bears. But yes. only one half is only likely to be good against your opponent's deck, most likely. It's like, if if they're playing, like, a grindy strategy, I guess, you know, now. nowadays we live in the world of, like, tireless tracker and all that stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, about this against, like uh, like, a hard control deck. It's like, you don't want the front end, you want the back end. Against, like, a mid-range deck, I guess maybe you want both, but maybe
0: this is just, like, a split card sideboard card, sort of? I don't know. It's weird. Could be that. But again, like, you know, I think that there could certainly be a world where you just are getting these kinds of cards into your graveyard inherently. Yeah, that's entirely possible, too. And even just, like, two dub dub, like, you know, as a removal spell is obviously not ideal, but it's not the worst when it comes, like, with this very powerful extra mode. Right. I
1: mean, you get to pick up all your walking bullises and stuff, so... Yeah. And all your 3 inspectors just gas for days. Oh, man.
0: That's, that's just nice. So, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of seems like, other than the dragon, all of the mechanics are kind of built around... I don't want to say grinding, because that's a very generic term, but, like, you know, having lots of stuff to do with your mana and, like, playing longer games with your synergized base decks.
1: Yeah. I mean, it also seems to me like... There are just a lot of ways to use your mana, and it's really hard to actually just run out of resources because of, like, Aftermath being a pseudo-flashback
0: thing and ball being a
1: pseudo-flashback thing. You have Cycling, too. It's like, there's a lot going
0: on. So, hopefully, the the, the real concern for me is that these cards are, you know, they're actually games that allow these cards to be utilized, and you can go a little bit longer than maybe we've been seeing lately.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it is entirely possible that... You're like, all right, I'm all set up, all set up to grind, you know? And then they're just like, Gideon, you're like, damn it, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like, I can't even kill that knight, gonna die to the Gideon. If we, if we made it to, like, turn 12, I could return all my inspectors and my embalm bros, but I can't.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know if I said this, but both of these are sorceries, so kind of sad. Not good against Avison, or not very good against Avison, definitely not good against Gideon. But I think that's probably gonna be a lot of things.
0: Well, those are mythics, man.
1: That is true.
0: These are just lowly rares we're looking we at. We
1: haven't right seen any mythics, so anything could happen, really. We're, we're like the the mythic prized amalgams or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> just like the sweet
0: cards. Oh, did you notice that? What is the green curiosity? Keen Sense? Is that right? That yeah, now there's that there got, sixth sense. Yeah, I got functionally reprinted.
1: Yeah, man, Boggles can play all the green curiosities they want now.
0: Love it. Do you want to talk about Oracle's Vault? I guess. Well you 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 kind of assumed that I would be into this before we started the show.
1: I was hoping. I was hoping. Because just... if if I'm not into something, you generally are. You know, if it's like a thing that could be a thing, you're yeah. generally all about it.
0: I mean this card is it, it it just goes back to exactly what we just talked about. It's like slow and derly.
1: Oracle's Vault, four mana artifact, two tap exile the top card of your library until end of turn you may play that card put a brick counter on oracle's vault other ability is tap exile the top card of your library until end of turn you may play that card without paying it's mana cost activate this ability only if there are three or more brick counters on oracle's vault use this three times then you don't have to pay the mana anymore which is good but man are you are you not just dying in the meantime
0: like if it gets going it's it's clearly super powerful yeah. Is
1: there any way to just add brick counters to something?
0: Proliferate.
1: I know. The
0: Skyship Plunderer or whatever. Uh, Paradox Machine. That
1: That's not a card name.
0: Or Par... What is it called? Paradox, uh... Engine. That's it.
1: Yeah, man. Get to work.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm trying. I'll try.
1: Alright, I, I appreciate anything.
0: it. Uh, notably, you can play lands off this, which is with like shonda running around there's always like weirdo templating with that there's distinctions between that ability
1: yep they they have been slightly different i don't know like if outpost siege were a card would it see play
0: uh i th- i think it would but outpost siege and this card are very different
1: they are but would it see play if you couldn't do the dragon's ability i think like a lot of people would just like cast it for that basically i don't think you can afford to take for like a turn off and not accomplish
0: anything I mean, I, I think it would be a fine cyborg card, but we wouldn't see it being like, you know, like a, a four of with a, a deck heavily built around it like we did two years ago or whatever.
1: Yeah. Man, those were the days.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think this card is really cool. Clearly has the, you know, very high ceiling. It can be very powerful. But do you, do you just have the time to mess around with this? And it's also an artifact. So it's kind of like inherently vulnerable for a card that you need three turn cycles to truly like unlock its potential.
1: Yeah. I mean that is certainly true i i don't know if artifact hate is going to be less or more popular going forward we'll kind of have to see
0: yeah it's hard to say but i mean if people just want to bust you up with the release of gremlins then this is hopeless
1: yeah i mean it is it is worth noting that this is like a bad aetherworks marvel right like it, it takes it takes like a million turns to get going and Com- comparable then comparable
0: effect know. but i i don't know if it's fair to compare
1: it it's well look at six is definitely way worse than look at one, but I'm just like, you know, maybe maybe this kind of ties the room together. I don't know. Like Green Puzzle Knot gives you a lot of time. I don't know if it's enough time to like mess around with this thing, but
0: For sure. Uh I, I don't know if you I, I think this would be like a standalone card, not like a redundant thing with Aetherworks Marvel. It's like you wanna, you know, buy yourself some time and just get this going because once you get it going, like, you're going to win. Hopefully hopefully yeah, playing I, hopefully playing something for free every turn is good enough but you know maybe it isn't
1: yeah i mean you could hit lands you could hit whatever your early drop like setup cards are you know like you need some pretty reasonable payoffs and like you also need to be doing stuff with your mana to make it so like you know if you if you just use this and play your card for free but you have like six unspent mana it's like it got you nowhere you know
0: yeah that's definitely a good point
1: so you need a lot going on but yeah man this is this is your job this is what I look to look to you for.
0: Oh, that's a lot of responsibility, Jerry.
1: I know. I thought I thought of Metalwork Colossus, and I was like, "This is just bad enough to miss the cut." I think. Yeah,
0: I mean, there there is some nice little synergies there because you're you're interested in kind of uh, assembling all of these small pieces, and then even if you like hit the Metalwork Colossus on turn six off the tap two ability, the first ability, like odds are pretty good you can cast it, and that's powerful. So I I could see it, but again, I think any world where Release the Gremlins is a super prevalent card is just too oppressive for this.
1: It strikes me as, like, if if you actually care about Release the Gremlins, then this has to be, like, your only artifact. You you can get away with playing one artifact basically for free. Like, if you're just, like, some creature deck and you have, like, Heart of Kirin, for example, in your deck, like, are they really going to bring in Release the Gremlins to actually just, like, tag your one thing? Probably not.
0: But, yeah, once you're, like, colossus you know, this is just another clunky engine piece, sort of, that just yeah. gets tagged by that. Have you tried to play Colossus since everyone was playing, like, for Release the Gremlins? Did you ever revisit that? No, I mean, I'm, I am I certainly have my share of problems, but I'm not a complete psychopath. Okay, fair
1: enough. I was just curious.
0: I guess you could play, like, Padim, something like that.
1: Yeah, that's not great, though. It's not. Well, man, we got we got some masterpieces we could talk about.
0: Yeah, I reckon. Some
1: some invocations.
0: Haven't seen that. What is what is that reference?
1: Oh, that's just what they're called. They're like masterpieces or expeditions. These are just called invocations.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So they, they kind of look like um uh, hieroglyphics, essentially.
1: Yeah, so Mishra's Photoshop posted the like old school Mew
0: promo. I don't know if you've seen this. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I haven't, oh, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and yeah, was, that, that's that's a flawless comparison.
1: Yep, it was perfect. Uh, anyway, it uh, looks like there are nine spoiled right now. Cryptic Command, Chain Lightning, Aven Mind Sensor, Pact of Mitigation, Wrath of God, Maelstrom Paul's Consecrated Sphinx, Counterspell, and Counterbalance. So, kind of kind of weird mix of stuff. Very Strange Border... The text around like the card type and the card name is intentionally difficult to read so i don't know at least the at least the text box for like the cryptic command is just on point you know
0: yeah the, the text box is very clear and and you know in several of the cards it actually just says what the name of the card is but it, it, it is read. or excuse me it is hard to actually read what it is
1: yeah so i don't know i i think these do look sweet i i think that they're gonna look sweeter in foil but i don't know man
0: I mean, they're still a million times better than the, you know, interchangeable fetch lands that were impossible to distinguish from each other.
1: Yeah, that is definitely true. Like, the the borders only have, like, a splash of color on them, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, once you see this, like, counterspell art, like, you're gonna be able to internalize it pretty easily after the first time.
1: Yeah, I think so, too.
0: Like, they all they all I mean, pop pretty well.
1: It's just, it's so far in one direction, you know?
0: I agree, but they are flashy and cool, and even though I'm relatively indifferent to all of these things, I think a lot of people are going to like them.
1: Well, apparently there's 50 something of them
0: throughout the, the two sets.
1: Well, I don't know. This this says whatever out of 54. Uh. I don't know if that's one set or two. Hm. That's a lot. Well, let me let me cross reference with Kaladesh, I guess. Anyway, normally I would say like, okay, you know, which awful one of these things am I going to open, right? But, like, these nine are all pretty
0: good. I guess, like, Mind Sensor might be the worst one. Maybe the one you're least likely to play.
1: Well, either way, I'm probably not going to play with these, so...
0: Yeah, sure. So, Kaladesh was 0-54 to 54 also. It's weird to me that these are kind of turning into, like, hybrid modern masters slash legacy masters now.
1: Yeah. Looks like Kaladesh was 0-54 to 54 and there were 30 of them in Kaladesh, so... Okay yeah 54 in both sets okay that's that's not too bad
0: yeah and and what i just said isn't really a criticism i think it's neat but wrath of god looks dope for sure
1: yeah it does Yeah, so i mean you gotta get like the damnation in here and yeah sure i don't know i i was like oh i'm definitely gonna open like this masterpiece ornithopter or whatever i got the something also bad i've just never opened like a scalding tarn or whatever so i'm just very unlucky
0: i think you literally opened a scalding tarn in front of me actually
1: yeah maybe
0: i like actual honest to god you did i'm like 99 percent sure
1: i th- no, because I, th- I think the only one i opened was sacred foundry
0: mm, maybe it was sacred foundry both start with an s both are lands
1: whatever <laughs> one's like 250 dollars the other one's 40 dollars it's all the same yeah beats all right well do you want to talk about san antonio or what
0: yeah yeah let's let's touch on it a little bit i don't Except- really have much to say about pretty cards
1: Yeah, me either. I don't know. They look sweet. They look confusing at the end. Yep. So, San Antonio's kind of weird. It is Team Unified Modern. I think people are kind of settling on the idea that you should not really try to metagame that much and you should just play, like, three playable decks.
0: Yes, but I think most decks are playable, so. I I know. I I certainly don't think you're, like, locked into playing the quote-unquote best decks, like... I don't think you're gonna gain a huge edge. Like Ari wrote about it on Monday, and I actually wrote about it and it should be going up tomorrow, but I don't I don't think that you should just like be locked into playing like Banaldrazi, Death Shadow and X, because presumably if if you're just playing a bunch of those mirror matches, you're not actually gonna have a huge edge.
1: Well, let's start from the top. So Death Shadow is definitely the best deck, right?
0: Yes. I would strongly recommend that every team have, have some form of Death Shadow on it.
1: Okay. So is that the only deck that that exists for?
0: Like that that's, yeah, that's yes. the only
1: one with a rule.
0: Yes. If my my suggestion would be either play Death Shadow variant or play something like very hateful of Death Shadow like Abzan midrange in your B seat. Did you see Magnus's article? No, I didn't.
1: I Think this was on midcard, but he posted, he said he's played like 500 matches and he posted his uh, records against everything. Mm-hmm. And he was like 11 and 7 against Abzan, something like that.
0: Okay. I mean, that's a good rate. I mean, he has, like, Souls and Ranger of and stuff like that, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there are definitely considerations you can make to try to improve that matchup, but I think overall, the average Abzan player versus the average Death Shadow player, Abzan, will have an advantage. Volanta's been playing Death Shadow for, you know, literal forever, and has probably metagamed his deck a bit.
1: Yeah. His his deck was a little bit different than anyone else's. So he was 4-7 and seven against Elves. Interesting. That was it. Out of, like, 15 decks, that is the only one that he's under 50% against.
0: Yeah, I believe that. I think he has, like, last I, I saw it, I think he had, like, 17 trophies, so...
1: Yeah, he is 11 and 7 against Abzan, so... I don't know, man. It is doable. I Obviously, it's tough to, like, take the Godless Shrine and the Souls and, like, potentially cut off your teammates from other cards. It certainly can be done. You can... Oh, no, he went 7-8 against Dredge. That was the other one that was sub-50. But yep, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean he's he's basically killing it, and I think it is kind of crazy to not play Death Shadow on your squad. I mean it does take up a lot of cards, right? Like it takes up just all the black cards, and then if you're Jund, it's like you want Grudge and Decay and the Fetch Land, or not the Fetch Lands necessarily, but the Shock Lands. And then if you're Abzan, you're taking like Path, or if you're Esper, you're taking Path. If you're Grixis, you're taking like Lightning Bolt, Snapcaster, and all that stuff. But I think it's worth it. I think, like, the deck is so good that you kind of have to have it on your team, unless you are playing three decks, and you're basically just trying to, like, isolate their Death Shadow deck, make sure that you beat them, but even then, it's like, how are you going to get to, like, an 80% win percentage against that deck, you know?
0: Oh, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, I think you need a, a very, like, high comfort level with a deck that you think you're going to reasonably beat the crap out of Death Shadow. At least my theory is that Death Shadow will be in the B seat the majority of the time, so... I, I assume that's what people will assume as well, just because it kinda makes the most sense to me at least, even though obviously that's not always going to be the case. So if you know, if you feel comfortable doing that, then great, but yes, you should play a death shadow variant.
1: Okay, is there a clear second best deck to you? No. Okay. And then it just kinda opens up, huh?
0: Yeah. Obviously the 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 card pool kinda dictates things a certain way based on which Death Shadow deck you choose, because yeah, if you choose Grixis, then obviously it's like you can't play Ad Nauseum, you can't play any other Serum Visions combo deck, you know, so maybe you're more interested in, in playing, like, uh, I don't know, maybe there is just, like, a Tarma Wolf Collected Company deck or something like that you can play once that is opened up, and that, that's just, you know, a preference thing. I, I mean, I do agree that Banaldrazi is probably, like, generically the, the second best deck, but I really do think that kind of pigeonholes your lineup in a certain way.
1: Well, it's it's basically like you have, you have Jund, which takes all the good Jund cards, you have a Path to Exile deck... And then you have something that doesn't use Shocklands, because I think all, basically all the other Shocklands are gone.
0: Yeah, so you can play, like, Affinity, Merfolk, Dredge, potentially. like Well, Dredge can, you know, adopt its mana base and be a little bit worse, but still functional.
1: Yeah, you miss out on some cards. You miss out on Thoughtseize, but you can play Duress. You miss out on Brutality, but you can play another Knot of the Bone or whatever. And then you're fighting over, like, Grudge and Decay.
0: Yeah, so you're you're kind of playing like you're, you're you're sort of forced into like a combo deck or a creature combo deck.
1: Yep, but Tron, Merfolk, any of the Collected Company decks, like, like Valakut, I think you can't play Tron because of Ancient Stirrings. Mm. Well, Well, can play Eldrazi Tron.
0: Yeah, sure. No, wait, what?
1: <laughs> can you not?
0: Well, not with the oh, yeah, Eldrazi yeah, on your obviously, team. Obviously, <laughs> obviously not.
1: Obviously not. <laughs> Two Eldrazi decks. Let's do it, yeah. I, dude. I'd allow that. That's fine. <laughs> I was like, wait, do you need ancient stories? No, you don't. I've had a few moments like this yeah, since yeah, we've been yeah. talking just, about this. Just, just like,
0: you know, the completely obvious lapses and in, in judgment or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Uh but it's it's a tough format to tackle. And basically my approach of it now is that level two, past like the semi obvious death shadow aspect of the of the format, is that I really don't want my team to have a lineup that all three of us are susceptible to like rest in peace slash stony silence guy because I think it's pretty reasonable to assume that one person on their team will have one of if not both those enchantments in their sideboard.
1: Yeah it's really tough to split the white.
0: Yeah so I think there's going to be like one person with very powerful sideboard cards maybe not the best main deck and it's possible that like just ban Eldrazi person is just jamming both of those in their sideboard. Um, that was my plan. Yeah which is totally reasonable. You, you don't want to, like, a lineup, I think, that's, like, this is a little extreme, but let's say, like, Affinity, Dredge, and Death shadow. But other than that, like, I, I really don't think there are a lot of rules. You know, you can kind of just mix it up as you please. Personal preference goes a long way. Personal experience goes a long way in Modern. So, you know, I, I wouldn't try to leave, like, too many of the generically powerful cards in the format on the table. But, you know, if you end up with a lineup that doesn't play Snapcaster Mage, I wouldn't lose sleep over it.
1: Yeah, I mean Snapcaster is good, but also when, like when you force people to play three different modern decks, like Snapcaster is likely not going to be very good against one of them. Yep. So, like yeah, even even that one I don't think is really a lock, you know.
0: And this is a, like an argument for the merfolks and Dredges of the World, like maybe they don't have like tons of good matchups or whatever, but they also don't really have any bad matchups.
1: Yeah, you are at least 40% <laughs> against everyone, which is not great, but yeah. you can win
0: so you're not going to have any like super polarized matchups and you know assuming like your most experienced player is your anchor your death shadow person then you know hopefully one of one of the two of you is going to get a match win elsewhere
1: so we have raptor locked in on death shadow the other few decks that i've considered playing are like Drazi, dredge merfolk oh and then the ironworks deck
0: yep I'm a little bit more solidified than that. Brad is playing some Death Shadow variant for sure. I'll I'll just firmly say that I'm going to play Ironworks. It's not like lock a stone, stone lock, but it's 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 basically locked. You said it, Verbal's blinding. I've been tuning it, I've been playing a fair amount with it, and I like it well enough. I think it it has some problems. It does suffer from like the Stony Silence Engineered Explo- or, sorry, uh Stony Silence Rest in Peace matchup a little bit. Stony Silence is very hard to beat, rest in peace is firmly beatable. And there are some workarounds. Uh, Like, I'm probably going to be playing some, like, Ugins in my sideboard. Sweet. But then Seth is... Well, he's kind of just a wishy-washy guy to begin with, to be completely honest. So, he hasn't picked a deck. I thought he was going to play Burn for a long time, but he's kind of reneged on that a little bit. So, we'll see.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't know, man. I hopefully am going to figure this out tonight and try and lock in something. But it is tough because there are a lot of options. And I don't think anything's really wrong, like nothing is necessarily incorrect.
0: Because I have so many options it is very easy to just kind of jump around a lot. The the thing is like you do just want to kind of commit at some point because even though they're like a, a huge range of like three playable deck configurations, like the small details are still going to be tough. Like you're gonna make small sacrifices in sideboards or man bases.
1: Yeah, most likely. I mean there's there's gotta be some overlap somewhere.
0: Yeah. So the the details are still gonna be important.
1: Well is the Ironworks deck actually good yeah. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm too dumb to play it.
0: Uh you're not, but you just gotta make sure you've actually played some of the games because the lines are not like you can't just like easily visualize all the lines you're capable of in your head. You just like have to run into them in gameplay scenarios. Yeah,
1: yeah and I definitely haven't done that, so Oh, uh, well. Bant Eldrazi it is. I can attack people. Oh man, if I lose a bunch I get to blame Dan Musser
0: too, so it's all good. But Dan's gonna be playing KCI. What? Yeah, you know that or Bant.
1: Well, whatever. He still keeps saying, he's like the one person that's like, no, the deck's good. And then, you know, obviously he puts his money where his mouth is and he wins every tournament he plays in, but whatever.
0: Yeah, I don't really know how you can criticize him for that, because he actually does just win.
1: Well, it just means if I lose, then I can just blame him.
0: For being better? or For,
1: for making the deck
0: look good. Okay, I see. Yeah.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe he's just much better, and that's certainly a thing. If he just but, wasn't very
0: handsome and talented, you wouldn't be tricked. I see. Right. Gotcha. See, I don't know. Right. It's gonna, it's gonna be a fun tournament. I'm I'm mostly done with stressing over the deck decisions. Whatever my teammates want to, you know, do is fine with me. I I'd, I'd rather just like everyone be comfortable with the deck they choose and be happy playing it than stress about it too much.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. I think that's way more important. So yeah, mostly mostly waiting on Raptor to make a decision as to whether or not he wants to play Celesnia Charm or play a normal deck.
0: Okay, I I guess I get that abzan slanted or just splashing
1: just straight abzan he had two selesnia charms and a faith shield
0: i like Faith shield the card's cool
1: yeah
0: i I mean like i'd still rather splash stub than like do that though
1: yeah of course i mean those are those are two cards that he had in his deck that no one else has really talked about and it was like okay man sure but then if i play dredge i'm still missing a bunch of stuff so I'm not sure how this is better than you just playing Jund, which we know is good, and Banteldrazi, you know?
0: I mean, for for you so. to like come to those conclusions as being correct, I'm sure you have to play some games, so.
1: Oh yeah, definitely not doing that. Eh, good luck. Thanks, man. No we'll problem. need dude, Cho, Cho is Cho locked for a a 12 and three, so I'll ride his coattails. <laughs> I have no shame.
0: <laughs> is he is he very likely to play Murphok?
1: Yeah, I don't know. He like he was gonna be the Bantel Drazi guy. And I was going to play Dredge and, you know, just kind of chop cards with Raptor, basically. Merfolk was on my list, and I just, I don't know, I mentioned Merfolk a while back to him, and he was like, that deck is garbage, right? So I was just like, well, I'm not going to suggest that he plays Merfolk, even though I think it's fine, whatever. He was just like, hey, can can I just play Merfolk? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> you have just hated this deck for so long. Some context is that he won a Legacy Open with Merfolk way back in the day and then, like, tried to play it once or twice after that and just got crushed. Sure. So he's just like, oh, this deck is garbage. I'm never going to play it again. So I don't know when the actual switch happened, but I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this deck's good. And he's like, yeah, I want to play Merfolk. And I'm like, okay. So then that that opened us up a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure you'll figure it out. Yeah, who cares? I'm going to bring all my cards, and hopefully I don't have to buy too many things, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, as usual, I'm just... I mean, step one is just make it to texas well <laughs> sure step one is, is make it till friday i guess then step two is make it to texas
1: okay okay baby steps i like it
0: yeah you know one one day at a time
1: okay sweet i posted magnus's article in the chat if you want to look at that because i think it's kind of interesting just looking at his numbers even though all of his numbers are like i'm 60 to 70 percent against every deck in modern but yeah i think i think that's about it man
0: dear god 500 matches is so much
1: It is. It is a lot. I ain't got time for that. I used to be able to grind like that back in the day, but
0: not anymore. I need a purpose. Yep. Oh, man, Fulmator Mage. Vomit. Hiss. Gross. (laughs) Okay,
1: okay. That's game.
0: Good luck.